Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We are thrilled to have joining us on the program today. Lisa Pruitt is the Martin Luther King Jr. Professor of Law at the University of California, Davis. She's also writing a book uh, that we're going to get to on another day about what the experience of migrating from the working class to the chattering class can teach us about contemporary political divisions. Uh, That's going to be a great conversation. Uh, But today, Professor One, welcome to the program and uh, really excited to talk about your piece in Politico uh, we've often talked about uh, how you change the conversation, and you uh, wrote just a fascinating piece about a candidate. Uh, Democrats have struggled with rural voters uh, across the country in a lot of different places, and uh, one person is showing uh, there is a way to actually do that, and it might be a little easier than a lot of the political chattering class and consultants might think. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a pretty obvious strategy, but it's not one that is uh, that is without expense, right? So what John Fetterman has done in Pennsylvania is something that politicians, I think, everywhere used to do as a matter of course. So he said, you know, he's running a 67-county campaign, he, you know, every county, every vote. And he showed up in every county before the primary. And What's even more remarkable about him, really, in terms of his rural strategy, is that when he showed up this spring, part of his Senate primary campaign, it's actually the second time he had visited every county. He, uh, When he became lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania in 2018, he visited every county, did a listening tour about legal cannabis. So this is actually the second time that he's you know, shown up in the, in the hinterlands and in these out-of-the-way places and had conversations with Democrats, with swing voters, with anybody who wants to show up. And he's really put his body where his mouth is, Yeah, and, and he's gone everywhere. And it's again, it's not an inexpensive strategy, but I think it's a very meaningful one for, for rural folks who are used to being overlooked. Yeah, and I, I think you, you hit it right on there. It is a meaningful strategy, and I think it leads to, to more meaningful conversations. And, of course, a lot of people see the image of the lieutenant governor in his uh, in his hoodie uh, having those conversations. <laughs> uh, I, I love that you pointed out that he, he didn't just show up once, and he didn't just do a bunch of ads, you know, in uh, some – uh, brand new cowboy boots that have never been worn anywhere, you know, outside the uh, the store. Uh, but this was a a real commitment to have real conversations and to to get out and have these conversations in the rural areas. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think he is a great exemplar of not just a, an every county strategy. He's got this every man vibe going on as well. You know, he's drawn some national attention actually for years, even going back to his days as the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, a town of about 2,000 people, which is a, you know, very down and out steel town for 13 years uh, before he became uh, lieutenant governor. And he's been, people have been commenting for years when he's sort of drawn the attention of Rolling Stone magazine and 
you know, various publications for his the way he dresses, right? He's he's super casual. He's joked in interviews about, you know, only having one one suit. So he's worn the the Dickies work shirts and the Levi's and you know, his latest sort of uniform, if you will, is gym shorts and, and tennis shoes and, and a hoodie. So he really shows up looking like the average Pennsylvanian. He's not the guy who shows up even in, in khakis and a typical button-up shirt, Blue which shirt. is how most yep. Democrats follow. <laughs> yeah, most Democrat politicians are going to show up when they're dressing down. I mean, he, he takes casual to, you can think of it as new heights or new lows, but he just Love totally that. got... <laughs> totally got this everyman vibe. He's got, you know, tattoos. The other thing I think is super interesting about him is I think because of the tattoos and because of his his social media presence, the way he plays these things, his family, he's, he's in his, I guess, mid-50s, but he's got three youngish children. And I just think he really is going to attract the youth vote. I think He's just got this everyman thing going on. He's got this this relatively youthful thing going on. Um, and I think the youth vote is going to turn out for him big time. Yeah, so fascinating. One of the things that you pointed out in your piece in Politico, Professor, uh, that I think is really the essence of leadership, and that is that he, he not only goes where he's welcome, he even goes into places where he may be unwelcome or not particularly liked. And, that, and that's still a commitment to to go in, you talk about it in terms of going to some of those ruby red parts of the Keystone State, uh, and uh, not unlike uh, another uh, politician uh, that you also mentioned uh, in your piece uh, that had some similarities, and the, and that's Bill Clinton. So I grew up in Arkansas in uh, the 70s and the 80s, and I grew up in a really a county of 8,000 people. So only a couple thousand people voted in that county every year. But I remember Bill Clinton, you know, passed through our little county, which would have been considered, you know, nowheresville in today's politics. But Clinton showed up. That was just part of how you did it back in the day. And I was drawn to and really interested in Beto O'Rourke's campaign a few years ago when he ran against Ted Cruz for uh, the U.S. Senate seat from Texas, because this is 254 counties. He visited, you know, he did the road trip. And, uh, of course, now he's running against uh, Abbott to be governor of Texas. Lo and behold, he said he's doing it again. Now, I don't know if he's going to get to all 254 counties, but right now he's on what he calls the the Drive for Texas 49-day campaign tour of 60-some-odd cities or towns, locations. And it's fun to watch. He's drawing much bigger crowds than he did when he was running against Cruz. So, in a sense... He's on his second loop, you know, just like the spring, Fetterman was on his second loop. And it's a huge investment. It's a huge investment. And I, as somebody who's an advocate for rural people and places, I mean, whatever your politics are, having a candidate, you know, make that commitment to rural communities uh, to, to be there, to hold the town halls, to have the conversations, not just to talk at the people, but to talk with the people. I think it's a, it's a very powerful strategy that really even I don't know any any Republicans who are doing it or making a show of it the way that these few Democrats are these days. We're going to continue my conversation uh, with Professor Pruitt. Again, she's from the University of California, Davis. And obviously these are a lot of examples coming out of the Democratic Party and their primaries and how they're interacting or not interacting with rural voters. And she really 
uh, points out in this piece in Politico just the uh, the thinking, and it's so easy for political consultants to to tell a candidate, you know, don't don't go to the rural communities. It's it's a waste of time. It's a waste of space. That's not where all the votes are. The votes are going to come out of the big bigger cities and the bigger counties. And uh, we're going to get into a a really interesting quote that I think to me summarizes where a lot of the political elite elite and a lot of the political consulting class continue to be and where candidates like Mr. Fetterman are proving them absolutely out of touch and wrong. Uh, So in her piece in Politico, there is a quote from none other than Senator Chuck Schumer, who, of course, is the Democratic leader in the United States Senate and has a huge impact on what Democrats do politically, especially as we roll into the midterm elections. Uh, Chuck Schumer uh, dismissed the rural voters uh, and this block that uh, at one point in history were pretty strong Democrats. Chuck Schumer said this, and you can hear the political consultant speak just oozing out of this. I'm sure there was a focus group somewhere. I'm sure uh, Mr. Schumer was delivered a, a whole focus group and a bunch of polling data. So Chuck Schumer said, for every blue-collar Democrat we lose in western Pennsylvania, we will pick up two moderate Republicans in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And, and that really is where so much of the political consulting class on both the left and the right, by the way, uh, have been. And everyone's trying to run campaigns from 30,000 feet. And you just carpet bomb with uh, political ads. First positive, then negative, then positive again right before the end. And you're going to watch this. You're already seeing it on your TV screens. Uh, it's going to be all over every web page you ever go to between now and the second Tuesday of November this year. And they believe that's the way you win. And I think there is a case to be made. People are ready to reconnect. They want to reconnect in person. They want to look people in the eye and say, what do you believe? Tell me what you believe right to my face. Uh, And let's have a different kind of conversation. So we're going to stay with the conversation when we come back. And we'll dig in a little deeper to find out what are the lessons to be learned as we roll into the midterms of 2022. Stay with us. More on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources, Inside Sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer. My conversation with Lisa Pruitt, the Martin Luther King Jr. Professor of Law at the University of California, Davis. She has a great piece in Politico on John Fetterman, Democrat running Uh, in the state of Pennsylvania for uh, the Senate and is showing just how much people want to connect in person and whether that's rural voters, 
big city voters, there's something about connecting that's become very important. I also think it's interesting coming out of the pandemic. I think it it just shows uh, this longing to actually connect and be connected. And uh, I think especially our rural communities that felt even more isolated than ever coming out of the pandemic to have someone who's willing to show up and not just show up and, and do a photo op and a drive through, but to actually have the the real conversation. And you actually compared and contrast something we've highlighted a lot on this show uh, and that is the difference between what Terry McAuliffe did in his failed race, a race he should have won, uh, I think, in Virginia, but just did not connect. He ran a very national race, very uh, backward facing in terms of uh, the focus, uh, rather than getting to here's where we are, getting with the people and then talking about this is how it's going to impact uh, impact your world. Yeah, I think the McAuliffe-Youngton race is, is just the latest example of what can go wrong when you think you've got everything wrapped up in the cities and the suburbs and you really just don't make an effort uh, to vie for the rural vote? And, um, you know, I mean, any any group can say, well, you know, we were the margin of victory or we were the margin of loss. Um, you know, you can say it's the women or uh, it's it's black folks or it's Latinos or whatever, but you know, what, what we see in races like the Youngkin race, uh, the McAuliffe-Youngkin race, is that, that the rural vote matters. And you know where else we saw it recently was in the Kansas abortion referendum, mm-hmm. right? So what the data shows us out of that election is that the anti-choice forces didn't do as well in rural Kansas as they expected to. Uh, the the pro-choice forces did perform the way they expected to in in the urban areas. So it turned out that the the fact that a lot of rural votes supported the pro-choice position uh, didn't make as big a difference as it might have. But if you look at the data, the anti-choice forces really did not do nearly as well in rural places as, as they were expecting. It's interesting that you bring up the pandemic as well and sort of people's desire to connect. Steve Bullock, who was the two-term Democratic governor in Montana, was running for Senate two years ago um, and, you know, had a very uh, strong presence, was well-known throughout Montana, which is a very rural state. And um, he lost. Uh, even though he was a very popular politician, yeah. he lost to, to Steve Daines, who was the incumbent in that race. When I've heard him uh, speak about that, he has said that he thinks a lot of it was due to the pandemic, right? The Democrats mm. have such a bad name, uh, such a bad reputation these days in rural America. And when candidates couldn't show up to counter that and say, no, th- this is who this is who I am and, and these are my values, right? Then that national message that um, you know that Democrats are uber left nut jobs, you know, he, he couldn't counter that, and uh, so I think I think the pandemic did have uh, you know a number of effects on sort of uh, the outcomes of elections and uh, these these last few years. Obviously, it's you know the pandemic and controversies around um, you know what kind of policies are were what kind of public health policies were appropriate during the pandemic was a big deal as well. But yeah, yeah it really kept 
candidates from, you know, getting out and, and making those uh, those personal connections. And I think that that made a real difference in some races, probably like Steve Bullock's in Montana. Yeah, oh, that's a, that's such great insight. And uh, I, I think it just brings this whole thing full circle in, in terms of where people are. You, you quote in your article uh, something from Chuck Schumer, which has been kind of dismissive uh, of those rural voters and uh, talking about how for every blue-collar Democrat uh, that they might lose in western Pennsylvania, they'll pick up some moderate Republicans uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, and I, as you pointed out, the opinion piece is John Fetterman is running a test that Democrats need to watch. Uh, and I would even extend that to all politicians need to watch because, as, as you pointed out, Professor, uh, showing up makes all the difference. You can actually counter, you know, everything that's happening on social media or all of the accusations or the weaponizing of words that we see on social media if you actually just show up and look people in the eye and have a real conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It certainly doesn't mean you're going to win over everybody, but uh, it, 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 you're at least giving it, you know, you're at least giving it your best shot. And you know, and you're taking those challenging questions yeah. and, and you're saying, you know, this is, you know, thank you for coming out. Thank you for that question. This this is what I, you know, this is what I represent. I, I You know, what happened with Beto O'Rourke a few days ago in, um, I don't remember which, which town in, in Texas has drawn a lot of attention. Um, you know, he's invited Abbott support. He's been very open in saying, you know, I want to, I, everybody's welcome at my town halls. And so there were a number of people there with Abbott for governor signs and, and one of them started laughing when um, O'Rourke was, you know, talking about the 19 children and the two teachers who were killed in Uvalde. Uh, one of the Abbott supporters started laughing and, and you know, Beto didn't didn't flinch. I mean, I'm not going to say since this is for radio, you know, he turned around and said, you know, call, 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 the, call, call the man who was laughing a, a, a curse word. And said, you know, this may be funny to you, but this is not funny to me. And I think, you know, you go into a rural community and um, we assume, uh, not without some good cause, that, you know, rural voters are going to be pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment. And, um, you know, what's, what's, I think, really interesting about candidates like both Fetterman and O'Rourke is they're not backing off their positions on issues that they know are not yeah. necessarily popular in rural places. You know, yeah. they're saying, look, this is, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Um, and, you know, then voters get to decide, sure. you know, voters, voters get to decide, is this, is, is this what I want? But uh, at least this person has, has shown up and, you know, in both cases, watching those campaigns, Fetterman and uh, and O'Rourke they they do not waffle, <laughs> and it's imp- I mean I find it impressive yeah. that that they they really are looking these conservative rural voters in in the eye these swing voters people they're trying to win over and they're saying this is what I stand for and it's kind of a take it or leave it but yeah. I'm I they, they they are really sticking with their convictions and and I I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a fascinating model, and I think it's so important because it's really trusting the voters uh, and saying we can disagree on a host of things, and you can still vote for me <laughs> because there are things that we do right. agree on, and we can go from there. Well, this is a fascinating right. conversation. It's a great look. Lisa Pruitt's the Martin Luther King Jr. Professor of Law at the University of California, Davis. Great piece in Politico. We'll post that on our social feeds today. Professor, thanks so much for carving out some time for us uh, for a really interesting conversation uh, about what I think leadership really looks like when it comes to our politics here in the country. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. 
the lesson. Don't listen to the consultants. Go talk to the people. Connection matters. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. Some final thoughts on a Friday coming up next on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Don't go anywhere. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.